Hi, Malika. Hi, Harley. How are you? Fine, thank you. Why are you not greeting me in the Dominican Republic lingo? <laughs> okay, it's Spanish. Yeah. Hola. Hola. Hola, amigo. Yeah. I haven't been here for a while. I know. It's been great. <laughs> and now I'm ill, for anyone who has ears can probably hear that I'm a little bit snuffly. Mm-hmm. This is kind of standard practice for me when I come back from holiday. I don't know what it is about the sadness of coming home or whether it's the... I think it's actually... I think it's because I take... The sadness. I think it's actually because I sleep on planes. I just feel like my mouth is open, absorbing oh, yeah, germs. the air and the... Because uh, three out of four of us from the flight are not feeling too great. Oh, gosh. So, I'm... I got it the, I got it the worst, but so, so, so. Yeah. I have been in the Dominican Republic. But we have some new countries joining us. Do we us. have listeners in the Dominican Republic? Dominican Republic, so. Um, yeah, we do. Okay. This week we have the Philippines. Right. Um, Kamusta. 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 Okay. And we also have Cambodia. Sasade. That is slang. Oh, not the formal greeting. Okay. It's like an informal greeting. Like if you really know the people. Yeah, like Wagwan, I guess. Okay. Don't kill me. Thank you so much to everyone that is listening from absolutely any and everywhere. Cambodia is a little bit mind-blowing, though, yeah. because who are you? Kamusta. And how did you find us? <laughs> who are you and how did you find us? Oh, so we know that's Filipino. Sisaday. <laughs> Around the world with Malakam, I was taking, taking a little bit of a left turn, but... If you are listening to this podcast and you enjoy it, please, please, please do not forget to leave us a review. You can click the way the stars are on our Spotify page on Sunder and Salt. And on Apple, you can scroll down to the bottom of the podcast play and leave a written review right there. Mm-hmm. Five stars only. Facts. Five stars only. Um, amazing reviews. We have a couple new ones lately. Yeah. So. And I think they're actually five star. Because our overall rating because they should is be. pretty good. They should be. Yeah, the person that left the one that wasn't five star, you know you can actually go back and change it just in case. Just it might have been an accident. <laughs> you yeah. might have listened just to in a, case. an episode that you just didn't agree. Maybe maybe you like corned beef. What is your food highlight of the week? Right. So I mean we've had a couple of weeks off, so I've been up to we have. quite a bit. My food highlight for this week is um six by Nico. <sighs> Yes. I've been to Six by Nico before. In my blogging days, I actually did a review <laughs> about it. I cannot remember the menu that I experienced at the time, but it was really nice. So what is Six by Nico? So Six by Nico is a restaurant that is, it's basically an experiential restaurant. They have a six course tasting menu and it's quite reasonably priced for mm. a tasting menu. It's usually around £45 per okay. person. And they do offer um, an additional wine pairing to right, go right, with yeah. it. Uh, but the USP about Six by Nico is that their six course tasting menu changes every six weeks. So at the moment, mm. they're currently doing a Lisbon and Marrakesh Right, um, that makes sense. Menu at their two locations. They've got one in Canary Wharf and they've got one in Fitzrovia. Okay. I went for one of the most popular menus, which is called the Chippy menu. It's basically a menu based on the Chippy. I've heard that's the one. Yeah. I and they did a New York one at some point, I think, as yes, well. Yes, they right. did a Tokyo one. Yeah. They've been all over the place. Okay. Um, I think they even had one like a Madrid one. So, yeah, I did the Chippy menu because... It sounded really good. I mm. wanted to definitely check it out. And overall, I enjoyed it. A couple of the dishes were not hitting. There was a um, pulled beef type dish. Oh, pulled meat. Yeah. 
immediately America no doesn't like immediately no it. i knew i wasn't gonna like it and it wasn't hitting personally didn't really like it but overall it's a nice menu they had um one dish in particular it was a scampi dish and it was like a scampi kind of croquette with some kind of green pea mash puree thing <laughs> really really enjoyed that overall it was nice for a dessert they had an iron brew sorbet as part of the dessert. Interesting. That was really nice, super refreshing. I really liked that. And it was a deep fried Mars bar. Oh, yeah. Small, like almost donut hole looking ball. Surprising. I'm surprised that iron brew and um, the deep fried Mars bar thing, because those are both Glaswegian. But then I guess chip shops as a whole, like if it's yeah. about the chippy. I think it's just about the chippy in yeah. across like the UK. They're it's giving to best of British. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And they had like a seaweed butter. Uh, that was really nice. So overall, I did enjoy it. I like Six by Nico, but yeah. I always say to people, the thing with Six by Nico is the change in menu allows for innovation and spontaneity and all that kind of stuff and having different experiences. But my experience can differ vastly to another person's because one menu might not be hitting as yeah, much as another yeah, menu yeah. is hitting. And I will say the chippy menu didn't bang as much as the one I had the first time. Okay. So I like the experience. I always recommend it. Yeah. If you want to do the tasting, I need to try it. Tasting, I need to try it. The six course tasting course thing for a reasonable yeah. price. I'd say it's, it's reasonably priced and the portions are decent. I definitely want to try it, but I'm just, I think I'm slightly too fussy and eat up only because of beef. Okay. That There's sometimes some those, beef. sometimes those tasting menus, yeah. especially when they're like kind of local produce, like yeah. it's a British, British beef is gonna crop up somewhere yeah. and I just would hate to think that I've wasted money on a course that I can't eat. No, they have they always have a vegan option. But then to go all vegan. No you don't have to. Oh course yeah, by well course. I think the the service there I yeah. will say ah. Oh, exceptional really? yeah okay. they're, they're really okay. accommodating i didn't like the beef course so they brought me a glass of prosecco to kind of compensate kind of thing Fair enough. when i went the first time i think there was a beef course and yeah. one of the girls i was with she didn't eat there's something she didn't eat okay so they swapped out that course for the vegetarian option. fair enough yeah so, that's i guess that's a dietary requirement that yeah. you could probably say before you go yeah. okay i'm gonna give it a go yeah give it a go um what's yours my few highlights obviously i've been in the dominican republic okay you haven't planted bacon oh my god it was <laughs> Everything I needed it to be. Yeah. I, it was obviously Dominican Republic is in the Caribbean. Well, it faces the Caribbean Sea and also the Atlantic Ocean, but it is very well situated for a large number of guests from America, from Canada, and a lot of people from the UK, which means that the international buffet spread is very much geared towards the American, Canadian, and UK diet. So there's everything in the mornings to have like a full English practically, or to have like hash browns, bacon, pancakes, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. If you've ever been to any Caribbean all-inclusive hotel, it's Which pretty one did standard. You stay in? So I was in the Rio Republica. Okay, I've heard which the Rio ones are quite nice. Yeah, it's all inclusive um, in Punta Cana, and I stayed in Rio hotels. I think I've stayed in all the Rio hotels hotels in Jamaica, yeah. and very similar, same same but different. Yeah. This one was adults only. Oh, I love a bit of adults only. I love a bit of adults only. Yeah. This one was, and the Dominican Republic kind of is geared more as a party place. Yeah. So the actual hotel had like a nightclub in it, mm-hmm. and there was like weekly parties four times a week. Of all the different themes between yeah. us and the other reuse but food wise stick to the food yeah the fruit was sensational what did you have oh my gosh so most of the trip there was there was always mango mango every day but it was and forgive me because we had fruits last week and i should have probably picked up all the names of the different mango but the greener skinned mango okay however 
the last four days. The Judy mangoes came out. Oh, sweet. I don't know where they got them from. I don't know where they came from. And I was, because they were obviously pre-cut in the buffet, I was lifting them up to look for the yellow skin with the yeah. little black speckles. And then I found some and I was telling my friends, I was like, get the yellow, get the yellow skin ones. Yeah. Absolute oh. sensational. And you didn't bring any back for what? me. What? Bring back sliced fruit? Customs would have had me. Oh, sounds really nice. It was incredible. The passion fruit also were about yeah. the size of the palm of my hand. And they were all in the buffet, like half sliced. So picking up half passion oh, fruits so that jealous. were literally yeah. enormous. The only thing that wasn't hitting fruit wise, which I don't know if it's a import, was the watermelon. Is, so, it, is it out of season right now? Probably. Yeah. But um, the watermelon was not really hitting. I was having it for the sake of hydration and putting yeah. the passion fruit on it and just kind of sweetening it, sweetening it, up. it up a little yeah. bit. Um, and also the avocado. It wasn't hitting? Avocado was sensational. Oh, oh Avocado okay. was out of this world. Yeah. I think we were eating probably, and I, when I say avocado, I don't mean Hass avocados. You mean like pear. Pear. Yeah. So again, I'm trying to explain this to my friends. I was with three of my girls, and um, I was saying, this is pear, the one that's actually shaped like, like a pear. Like a pear. It's got the big booty. Green skin, big booty, yeah. smaller seed, thinner skin. Yeah, the not thin that, skin. It's not, not the that thick, dinosaur hard has to back skin. skin. <laughs> this avocado was incredible. I'm gonna actually share a picture of one of the avocado platters. They just made these yeah. platters of avocado. We were probably having half a pair a day, God. minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Our skin was soft, luscious. Mm-hmm. Now I come back to this country, I'm deteriorating. Yeah, gosh. I'm deteriorating. I bought an avocado four days ago. I cut it today. The thing is still hard in half, oh, in half the places. So the avocado was absolutely incredible. I ate a lot of pork. Okay. I'm currently a pescatarian. Yeah, paying for my sins. Okay. I just need a little bit of a break. They, they do like a lot of meat there. They do a lot of meat and then like the Dominican stew. So there was like a Dominican counter where they had the food um, every single day, no matter the theme of the rest of the areas. Yeah. Where they would always have this Dominican stew, which I stayed away from because I think it was like mixed meat. Again, trying okay. not, I don't eat beef. Um, white rice, the planting, the way that the Dominican people do it. For breakfast, it's sweetened. So not only is it sweet planting, it's also like- it's Sugar. Yeah, it's got like pineapple chunks in it. It's like a oh, wet okay. thing. So it's okay. like fried and then it's got like pineapple chunks in it, like diced and also like melon right? in like a syrup. It's nice. It's nice, but I was kind of draining the planting out of that okay. wetness. Interesting. And then, like and then lunch and dinner, they would serve planting like, um, is it tostones? Tost- yeah, tostones. Um, so I'm assuming boiled maybe fried first, then squished, so they're kind of like flat and long. Yeah, and it's then fried, double fried. Double fried, basically, yeah, and then nice. squished down and then fried again. So those, I was munching planting, like my yeah. life depended on it. Lovely. I need a little break from all of the above, but anything that was grown in that country was hitting. Okay, nice. Anything that was not like the pancakes, the bacon, they were okay, yeah. but you don't go to a country that has such incredible fresh produce. Mm-hmm. The fish, the grouper. Yeah. There's a highlight on my page, and by the time you hear this, actually, maybe not. Check back soon, there'll be a vlog. Okay, cool. Check back. There'll, be, there'll be a vlog or a With real... With all the foodie bits in it. At some point. Okay, cool. At some point. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we've been. Okay. Somewhere where we might be going, well, should hopefully be going, we're going to get yeah, try and get tickets. Yeah, it's in the plans. Is a play showing at the Chelsea Theatre called Roll Your Sleeves with Eve. It's, it sounds very interesting. So it's yeah. a futuristic piece set in 2050. 
A romantic comedy drama about a badly behaved celebrity chef who goes through intrusive borderline illegal therapy to confront her demons from her past, both romantic and familial relationships. There is an Eventbrite link to this, which we will share um, in the show notes of this episode. There's a really cool poster, which is like a neon, almost like Tokyo Nights yeah. looking the, <laughs> like set. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's what it's gonna look like, but um, it's, it's on from June 22nd for a couple of nights. One of the nights is actually sold out. So if that sounds like a bit of you, then grab a ticket ASAP and hopefully we'll be able to tell you a yeah. bit more about it in a couple of weeks. I love a little chef drama. Yeah, a little so chef drama. Definitely interested to check it out. Yeah, on today's episode. Right. Let's get serious. This is, we need, this is a serious uh, Do you know what I've got in my mind? The Channel 4 music. Yes. That's what we should have heard to play in. Yeah. Well, we can, we can, I can enter the edit. Yeah. Okay, this is a on serious, news. this is a serious, serious, so, serious I'm conversation. <laughs> Malaka. Yeah. The eggs are missing. Right, yeah. You know what? I've spoken about it and I stopped talking about it because it's actually really painful. Um, we're still in a crisis. <laughs> we're still in a crisis and we are in May. We're basically in June. So, let's rewind this conversation for a minute because we've been talking about this egg crisis on the podcast Since for months. the beginning of the year. For like. months. And people keep listening to the podcast and being like, ha, ha, what egg crisis? <laughs> I've got eggs in my local supermarket. I've got eggs, everything's fine. And we, although we're talking about egg crisis, we're saying cost of living crisis wasn't going to affect us. And we've yeah. had to retract that statement already. Well, but now I think other people generally are starting to see the knock-on effects of the egg crisis and the egg crisis is yeah. becoming very real. Do you know what I will say? Although you may be able to get it in your local supermarket, the world has been operating in a way where availability is king. And so we have actually never been in a situation where something that is considered a basic good, like eggs, has been hard to find. Like this. Generally, yeah. yeah. So. Even if you can find it, I promise you, there's a crisis. As much as the crisis is what our life is currently revolving around, we're going to talk yeah. about eggs as a whole today. Yeah. We're going to have a bit of a, a whole egg conversation. Yeah. Well, you guys know that I love eggs because when we were talking about our desert island dishes, which was, <laughs> can't remember what episode, but it's there. Yeah. You scroll back, you'll see 17? It. Yeah. 18? It was a couple of weeks ago, not too far back. And I said that I need eggs for my mental health. So I love eggs. Really, I, yeah, love, I eggs. love eggs. I have not always loved eggs. I think I shared this on an episode where I had childhood trauma of my mum doing eggs in the microwave. Oh gosh, no, I don't think you did. Oh, but did there's always some funny story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My affiliation with eggs as a child was my mum doing scrambled eggs in the microwave. Right. And the smell, that smell of like, it's kind yeah. of the same smell as boiled eggs, but it just wasn't Why very pleasant. Was mummy doing that? It was, Okay. Questions for mommy. Um, yeah, but now as an adult, I love eggs. Obviously, I use eggs a lot in baking. I love baking. Mm -hmm. There are many different types of eggs. Yeah. I I don't think I'm as fussy as you about my egg. Well, I like a free range egg. Yeah. That's my that's my actual bare minimum. Mm -hmm. So exactly what you've just said. People who are saying I can find eggs, you can find, but can you find the eggs I'm looking for? Well, this is it. This is it because there is, I don't even know how many, but I promise you there's probably over 20 different variations. Um, what, I was going to say skews, but yeah. <laughs> that retail chip Yeah, supply but, chain. Yeah, there's about 20 different options yeah. available to the customer when they're going to the supermarket. Yep. At the moment, a lot of supermarkets have about five at best, and it's crazy. Off the top of my head, Aside from brands, but there's obviously free range eggs, there's caged eggs. Yeah. There's Clarence Court is a brand, but also like the they're blue, right? 
I think Clarence Court is blue. And the blue yeah. eggs. You've got Burford, Burford Browns. Browns. Yeah. Just the ones I'm thinking of that I can see in the supermarket. Golden. Uh, Golden Yolk. Golden Fresh Yolk. Day Farm. Golden Fresh Day Farm. Yolk. Golden Yolk. Happy Eggs. Happy Eggs is a brand, but they're just they're just, oh, it's free just range free range eggs, eggs I think. Yeah. yeah. But that's just six. Well, I think generally speaking, you've got free range, caged. Organic. Uh, organic, yeah. Yeah. And then I think there's like there's something in between caged and free range, I think. There I think that you're right. And that's what I've been seeing a lot of recently where they haven't been able to offer free range and they've had to yeah. label it that thing that's one down from it being free range basically. Yeah. So of all those types of eggs, I typically just go for free range. Yeah. What is your go-to egg? <laughs> if that yolk ain't golden, I don't want it. My egg has to be a golden yolk bad boy. My brand of choice is the Freshly Farm Golden Yolks. Yes. 10 free range eggs. And I generally get them from uh, Sainsbury's or Tesco. Absolutely love them. They are always golden. They taste fantastic. And I think for a golden yolk free range egg or yolk, sorry, an egg that is um, positioned as golden yolk, mm-hmm. it's generally like fairly priced. It was, I was paying £2.40. I remember. Before the crisis, they're currently at £3.80 in Sainsbury's, which... Yeah, I'm still buying them, so... Are you able to get them then? Not really. And what I've noticed is that the 10-pack has actually now gone down to a six-pack that they're offering. <laughs> and it's £2.50 each, which means that for 12 eggs, it's £5, which means that I'm probably paying around 40-something P as opposed to the 38p per, per egg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think about, at one point, they 34.1. 41 to 45p per egg. Fact. What do you call it? Fag packet mass? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fag packet mass, don't know, but I know it's more than 40p per egg. Right. With the six pack, and that's really upset me. That is very expensive. It, it Per egg. So I got two boxes this week for 175 I had to, I literally texted Mark, I was like, I found eggs. 175 each? One, 175 for six. Oh, okay. 175 for six, just Tesco large eggs. Yeah. And even that, I was like, you're pushing it. Yeah. You're moving like oat milk. How are you the same price as oat milk? What are you yeah. telling me? Like, yeah. your eggs. It's supposed to be like a basic provision that is raised in this country. Like, your eggs. It's crazy. So, I have been less fussy about the eggs I've been buying. And I've been able to get access. Yeah. Like, free-range eggs, any brand, any supermarket, whatever I can get. Golden yolk as an egg is... I don't think it's unique to that brand, because Aldi do some. No, the, the branding is golden yolk eggs. But right. a golden yolk egg is typically achieved through the feed. Right, OK. So okay. they're probably feeding the chicken something like corn, fresh lay farm. They add, okay. I believe it's paprika to their feed. Wow. To get the colour. It says it on their website, which is really interesting. OK. So, yeah, a golden yolk egg you can get anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. like the fresh lay farm golden okay. yolk eggs. Fair yeah. enough. Some of it is because I am really susceptible to really good branding. And I love the Yeah, it's a nice, the clean, box. It's yeah. a nice clean brand. Especially the box. the box of 10 is very compact. Yeah. But um, eggs as a whole... I, we did some research on this one okay. because we haven't done a research dead episode in a little while and we just thought we would. This is this is serious matter as much as we're joking about it. <laughs> but there are a lot of implications yeah. to UK like supply chain, families, just yeah. like family life based on the lack of eggs. So eggs are important because they're delicious. Mm-hmm. They are nutritionally very 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 dense they're very very good for you um and one of the things i looked up basically they have every nutrient that is recommended except fiber okay and the eggs have well eggs have a bad reputation apparently 50 years ago there was a bit of a jump scare yeah. about cholesterol with the yolk isn't with it? the yolk which is kind of it's a myth that's kind of been debunked mm-hmm. in terms of how much cholesterol you have otherwise in your diet yeah 
if you eat one to two eggs a day, there was a campaign, I believe, an American campaign to start your day with an egg mm-hmm. and then you could go to work. These factory workers and like laborers could go to work on an egg. Yeah. And I think from that, there was like a, people are consuming too much, people are consuming too much. But reasonably, with modern day science, one to two eggs a day yeah. is a reasonable amount. Of, as part of a balanced diet. As part of a balanced diet yeah. is absolutely fine in terms of the amount of cholesterol you're, you're eating. I was banging off one egg a day. Yeah. yeah. I've had two eggs a day, I think, for the last three days because I've been eating meat. I have one egg, one whole egg and egg whites mixed together, typically. So, a lot of people go for the egg white option just mm-hmm. because... Well, I mean, buying a bottle of egg whites is actually quite convenient. Well, it's quite convenient, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I get the two chicks egg whites. Two chicks ones, yeah. Yeah. And it's the lower cholesterol part. It's the white is actually the high protein part. And lower fat as well when you take out the yolk. When you see the gym bros pouring out the liquid eggs into the... the, (laughs) They don't make it look good, though. Well, that's why they're doing that and not cracking whole eggs in. The only thing that I heard on a podcast, I think it's called the Zoe podcast, was that when you're buying the eggs in the bottle obviously they are pasteurized Mm -hmm. so they could contain gums or anything like that so ultimately if you're doing it when you say gums what do you mean just any kind of preservative thickener colorant sometimes they're super clear sometimes they're a bit cloudy just if you are going down the route of looking for the like Mm -hmm. healthiest way to consume an egg it's still out of the shell yeah Yeah, it's still straight out of the shell i think the two chick one has um Guar gum in it. Yes. There's something like it's like a natural um, alternative thickener, thickener yeah. in there. So I really like that one. It's free range egg whites. I've been using that for years and it's really, it's really I've, nice. I've had it plain as well and it's, yeah. it's pretty good. I've used it for years. Also, I use it when I'm making meringue because if you're making yeah. like a meringue that you don't cook, you need to use pasteurized egg in order to be able to sell it. You can't just use egg out of. Okay. out of a shelf for like baking and baking yeah. and selling food so yeah that's just a bit about eggs mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't so i know you said that eggs have got all the nutrients that you need yes. except for fiber yeah i know they're really high in b12 <laughs> there was a time in my life where i was eating eggs daily mm-hmm. i was taking b12 supplements because mm-hmm. i was deficient at one point yeah but i wasn't eating eggs as regularly as i was at that time and between the supplement and the eggs, my doctor called me and told he asked me, what are you doing down there? <laughs> because I had to do a blood test. This was actually a part of my um, gluten intolerance testing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And he was like, yeah, these bits are fine, but the B12, what's going on? What are you doing? And I was just like, oh, uh, taking a supplement. And he was like, mm, what else do you do? I was like, I eat a lot of eggs. Is that, yeah, stop the supplement because my B12 levels were really high. And he's like, but- if you're eating eggs daily... yeah." And you're having a balanced diet, you're fine. They like, are. You're doing they're that. like golden food, golden yolk, yeah. golden food. Yeah. They and that's why as well. And um, we can touch on this a little bit with our very limited expertise. Certain like culturally, eggs are very important, and that's yeah. why I think the crisis, like financially, is a big deal to us. Yeah. Availability is a big deal to us, but the availability to be able to like buy egg access eggs for people to send their kids to school. Yeah. With a nutrient rich breakfast in this country in developing countries like that's very important yeah. and the uk and the western world prioritizing their need for eggs over the people the some so is this crisis oh oh girl the okay. crisis is worldwide, worldwide. so I, I let's talk about the crisis so i listened to a really good episode i will link both these episodes below um by a bbc one of the bbc Radio 4, I think, podcasts. So they spoke to a poultry farmer in South Africa and also a poultry farmer in Leicestershire. Yeah. And the stories were very similar, but the facts were blowing my mind. So 
the South African farmer was basically saying that this is the hardest time she's ever had in her life as a poultry farmer and that she used to f- have laying hens. Yeah. The language that they use is just so interesting. I think agriculture is amazing, but laying hens and then she used to also rear chickens just for meat. Yeah. She's had to completely cut raising chickens just for meat because the laying hens are costing her so much and yeah. it goes down to the feed yeah so it's actually the cost implications that are having to be passed on to the consumer from her eggs into her community in south africa are because the cost of gas is so high in yeah. order to go and literally run her farm mm-hmm. the heating of the barns and yeah. actual like tractors and things that she's she was literally like in order to go pick up my feed yeah i have to burn gas because Apart from an egg crisis, we're yes. actually in an energy crisis right. as well. So <laughs> a the, global energy crisis. Yeah. And some of that stems from the war. Her supplier, mm-hmm. again, this can vary around the world, of her feed is directly from Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. So the war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine is affecting the production of the feed. Yeah. I think that's a, a big part of the way the message has been misconstrued to us in the UK is like... We're just getting that part. So we're just hearing the war in Russia and Ukraine is causing the egg crisis. Yeah. That's it. Those are the two parts yeah, of the yeah. story. But this, the journey mm-hmm. is such that because people can't farm because they're fighting a war. Yeah. So there's no grain. So then they can't export the grain. Yeah. So countries can't import the grain. So people are yeah. having to pay for it from other sources that don't have as much of it. Supply and yeah. demand, they're paying more for it. La-da-da-da. Well, I think it's about... Um... Don't quote me. I can probably throw this up. But is it within the regions of about 70% of the grain? Like, the, the global grain yeah. supply comes from that part of the world, from yeah. Russia and Ukraine. So that's what... Yeah, there, there's a lot of food that comes out of Russia and Ukraine. And um, sunflower. Yeah, yeah, sunflower oil. Sunflower oil. Yeah. 70% of the UK's oil comes from Ukraine. Yeah. And that, even, like, globally, yeah, it's like yeah, 70% of the global supply. We're saying 70. It's a high percent of the yeah. global supply comes from Russia and Ukraine, yeah. So those two things were affecting, well, but probably both the farmers, but particularly this farmer in South Africa was talking a lot about this. And that's when I realised, like, you know how far South Africa is? Yeah. From where we are right now? Mm-hmm. So the egg crisis has reached every corner of this yeah. earth. Um, and that's just based on feed. And another reason that there's an egg crisis, which, again, I think in the UK we're getting one part of the story and then the other part, which is really far away, yeah. the avian flu. Mm-hmm. So we're just hearing like the prices are crazy because there's a war in Ukraine yeah. and there's a flu. But the knock on effect of the flu is actually just how how severe the flu really yeah. is and how, in a way, blessed we are how they have to manage it. So they have to manage it in the process of culling chickens. Mm-hmm. It's too high risk to let it run. It's too high risk to be like, oh, we just we got the we got the bad ones. Yeah. They have to cull chickens. Well, part of the the problem with that is. The cost, the co- the supply chain costs have increased. Yes. And they've complained about it. And in order to keep production running, you have to reinvest, grow more chickens, blah, 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 which a lot of farmers decided not to do because they weren't seeing the profit margins that they needed to keep their business going. Yep. So you've already got a reduction in their overall um, product supply. And then you've got an avian flu. Yep. So they're culling from a shortage, basically. Well, there's yeah, there's two yeah. sides of it. So some some numbers, some facts. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last year, so the podcast I listened to, I believe, was recorded in March. So March to March. Three million chickens were culled in the UK mm-hmm. because of the avian flu. I have, however, read an article. I believe there was one on The Guardian and one on The Independent, the yeah, I one, that basically said... 
certain farmers are refusing to sell at the cut prices that these supermarkets and yeah. brands want to sell for and they'd rather cull their chickens uh-huh. than give in to these demands. Yeah. So there's... So they're not reinvesting their business. They're not just getting rid of it. So they're, they're just not get rid of it. The running costs of looking after these chickens. That's crazy. Yeah. But it's... It, it's a necessary right. evil yeah. in terms of what they have to do in order to survive as farmers and run their businesses yeah. to not fold to these giants that are just hardlining them yeah. at the cost of eggs that they are still profiting on by increasing the cost to us directly as the customers. Mm-hmm. The, the situation is worse in America. Okay. So another podcast I was listening to, so of the 3 million chickens that were culled in the UK... The data from 2021 for the US, 50 million chickens were culled. In the US? 50 because of the avian flu? Yes, okay. because of the avian flu. Yeah. 50 million chickens. So are they, having, are, are they reporting that it's because of the, the, the farmers are reporting that the cost is too high and they're not, they're having a similar issue? In the US, the situation is a lot worse and the farming... Economists, I believe, the, the was the situation as in like there's a there's a shortage, or in terms of the cost of eggs, the cost of eggs. So this yeah. um, economist was basically saying that the egg prices, the difference in the egg prices in the US is actually higher than the egg shortage. Like it's not making sense. The math is not mathing. Yeah. What the farmers are seeing in terms of how much they know they're paying for feed, how much the gas prices are costing, yeah. how short they are of eggs. It's not actually making sense to the prices. So roughly in the US right now, and we spoke about this, we saw a random tweet, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, it, it was something, something like, like $14. For a carton, for a carton but the carton I think is 24 so that's still like 12. Well, maybe it was eight. I can't remember, but it was expensive. It was expensive. Um, And this guy was basically saying that two US dollars a dozen was a high price for eggs, mm-hmm. like in 2020. Like that was a high price for eggs. And now eggs are sitting at around four US dollars a dozen, which is like, to be honest, kind of comparable to what we're paying when yeah. we buy golden, but isn't generally yeah, across the market. Yeah, like three pound eighty for ten. Kind of the same price. 12, so it's not too far off. Exactly. So. What he was saying, though, which I find interesting, but America is a crazy place, is that the reason that the prices are not matching is because the way that they've set the prices is that they have factored in the worst case scenario. So ultimately, we're in an egg crisis or there's an egg shortage because of multiple different factors. There is the cost implications based on a shortage of feed Mm. because of the war between Russia and Ukraine. There's an energy crisis. The cost of energy, gas, fuel, etc., is extremely high at the moment. So that means that production costs, essentially, for agriculture has increased exponentially. Yep. And then on top of that, you've got a situation where BFREPA, which is the British Free Range Egg Producers Association, okay. have flagged months ago to the retail world that the cost... Um, mm. their costs have increased therefore they need to increase the cost to the supermarkets and the supermarkets have basically yeah. refused to absorb that cost because they don't want to be seen especially coming out of the cost of living crisis so going into a cost of living crisis coming out of the pandemic nobody wanted to be seen as the expensive option right everybody tried to maintain absorb. and hold their prices yeah. because they know that if someone else moves we're gonna 
take their customers. Mm-hmm. So everybody's holding a very firm line yeah. and it's squeezing these farmers and the farmers are basically saying, well, if you're not going to give us what we want and essentially need, then we're just not going to produce anymore and you're just not going to have what you it's need. It's the union, effectively. When I first started talking about it on Instagram, they were saying 10 months ago. So it's been probably over a, a year, year since that conversation has been going on yeah. because you're doing forecasting and preemptive planning and all that kind of stuff and they've seen what's coming down the line and the supermarkets have basically said, mm, no, 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 sorry, we want to keep this, the price the same. And it's not the supermarkets, also yeah. like any major business, fast food chains, products, my precious sticky toffee puddings, yeah. people who make any of these products, they, that the effect is yeah. everywhere, which is but why... It is, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, those uh, supermarkets... The scale at which they um, purchase yeah. from these farmers, they have the power. most of these farmers, their businesses, a lot of them are built on their relationships with these supermarkets. Right, okay. And so there is a proportion of their stock that will go to restaurants mm. and, and those kinds of places. But um, a lot of them, most of their, their profit comes from that relationship. So Interesting. when they when the, the supermarkets kind of set the precedent mm-hmm. on certain things, you're not seeing the, the the same amount of volume through your other, in other relationships. Issues. Yeah, so it's kind of... Especially when you go into a crisis, it's the supermarkets, etc., that generally get prioritised. Yeah. And then the other big boys, like the uh, fast food chains. Yeah. <laughs> the supermarket chains and the, and the big fast food chains that will be prioritised because the relationships are built on volume, essentially. Yeah. And prioritised based on your volume. And those, those guys... They're selling, I don't even know how many thousands of eggs that they Yeah, you're right. And in that article, one of the articles that we shared, it said that Weatherspoons is serving full English yeah, breakfast yeah. without <laughs> eggs. So yeah. honestly... Well, th- well, apparently there's a couple. We don't want to say Okay, that well, there. a couple of them, <laughs> yeah. apparently, allegedly. Yeah, like that. But that just shows what you're saying. Their buying power is not strong enough to ensure that they yeah. can get the eggs. So they're they're yeah. getting cut from the bottom. But even um, it said on the, that same article, which you can link, I think it was... The, the Guardian, Guardian, yeah. Yeah, that um, Tesco and, and someone else had reported not being able to buy eggs for a while. But that mm. is probably a consequence of severed relationships because oh. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody quite high up in in Tesco that had gone on the news and had basically oh, I wish I could find it if I could find the article I'll link it but he said something that basically rubbed the farmers the wrong way really yeah because <laughs> we're talking about it um, yeah within my working relationships and whatever he went on there and said about basically they're just gonna have to kind of get with the program mm. they said yeah no problem <laughs> We're not prioritising new people. And so they're really struggling as a consequence of that because there was an arrogance from a lot of these supermarkets. Right. Because they know that these farmers are heavily reliant on that business because yeah. of the scale and the volume. But also, just listen to a couple of these podcasts. There's another one called The Farming Land. I think it is. It's an American podcast, but she's got many episodes about chicken production and yeah. egg production. And I don't think... You know, you talk about people living paycheck to paycheck. Just how close farming is yeah. or a particular farmer is to not being able to run mm-hmm. the next month yeah like if you have to cull your entire livestock and replace it within like a month yeah that might be the end for you mm-hmm. 
So all of this hardlining and like yeah. pushing these push it's pushing real people out of business. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure any of our listeners that have families and stuff, if someone is breathing down your throat about not paying you fairly, yeah, you're gonna leave. Mm-hmm. You can start something else. Exactly. People, they're gonna. They're gonna. Exactly. They're it gonna gets to a point what, where it's not worth it anymore. It's not so. worth it. And some of these farmers are ultimately doing that. They're getting their chickens cold, and they're actually deciding at that point, I'll take the insurance money, and I'm not going through this again. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah, and it's a shame. <laughs> I'm out. Ultimately, we're in a space now where Brexit means Brexit, Oof. and there is very few things mm-hmm. that this island is producing and has to offer. Yeah. And so when you start <laughs> squeezing British farmers. How much more can we import? (laughs) Because the costs are going up. Like, how much more? This is the definition of buying the hand that feeds you. Yeah, literally. And we personally didn't buy it. Yeah, so... Some people did, though. We just have to continue monitoring the the crisis. I mean, if you're able to get eggs, Mm -hmm. that's nice. Do you know what I mean? If you're able to get the ones that you want, love that for you, happy for you. (laughs) I can't say it's the same for me. There's but. another episode that I didn't get to listen to just because I didn't, I didn't think it fit for this conversation, but you might be interested in it. Yeah. And it's whether or not you should buy chickens during an egg crisis. Because I think a lot of people are making a decision yeah. to like start keeping a laying chicken. Yeah. But it's like, the I think from the description I read, it's a bit like the pandemic story where everyone bought a dog. Okay. <laughs> and then at some point... Then at some point. I... Uh, can barely keep an aloe vera alive. <laughs> so I don't think, unless I'm stranded on the island. With your one chicken. Yeah, I don't think I, I need to, which um, on that episode, on the clip, a couple of people, even somebody on TikTok tried to mm. tell me, oh, how are you only going to bring one chicken? How's it going to lay eggs? Because mm. hens don't need to have a man oh, to lay eggs. Yes. The eggs, the most of the eggs that we eat, most of the time, those eggs are unfertilised. It's highly unlikely that you, in your lifetime, will ever eat a fertilised egg. egg. So that's how chickens are made. Exactly. Exactly. If the egg is fertilized, kept in the right conditions, you'll have a chicken in your house yeah. very shortly. So most of the time we're not eating fertilized eggs. The, yes. the chickens are the hens are just laying, yeah. laying eggs. And also um from one of these podcasts, I think it was the South African lady was saying the reason that she's had to stop the production of her meat chickens yeah. is because laying chickens live a lot longer. Like you keep a laying hen oh, okay. for a while like yeah. it lays forever whereas obviously you just feed a meat chicken to a yeah. certain point before slaughter do we eat laying hens at some point then how do they like... i don't think so because i think they're aged meat oh okay so, so they think, basically die i think they either die or they're cold oh that's a shame yeah or they just become chickens yeah free, i bet it's that, that free range chicken that we eat that was <laughs> tough as anything it's probably the hen aged aged matured chicken yeah. Okay. yeah apparently I didn't actually listen to that I was like, I'm, I'll list a few of the other episodes that yeah. I came across that I thought were interesting that I haven't got round to yet um, from those farmers and from some of the BBC Good Food resources and the um, Economist also has a podcast about the global food shortages that yeah. we're having and the cost implications of those culturally lots of people like eggs I've spoken about them being of great use for families and every single time we talk about eggs a quasi mensa <laughs> Of Tatale. Of Tatale. <laughs> pops up in the comments. Yeah. Sharing his love and the apparent, well, evident Ghanaian love of yeah. eggs. Culturally, eggs are very important in certain national dishes and just, I know they've got a really strong prevalence in actually the Filipino culture. Really? Filipino meals are very Would egg heavy. Would like a fried egg on the side? Um, either fried, well, I guess Southeast Asian because yeah. like things like ramen, mm-hmm. that's egg heavy. Yeah. Thai food is full of, of egg. egg. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> full of egg. So I think a lot of that region of the world, eggs are very important. 
Ghana yeah. seems to be the one. That, <laughs> that even means World Cup is not even relevant, but I just wanted to say it. Around the world of Mouth, that seems to be the one that pops up most in our community. So large up all the Ghanaians that are listening to the mm-hmm. podcast and in our Instagram comments letting us know how much they love eggs. I'm sure we'll be seeing you on the clips of this episode. Yeah. Anything else you want to share about eggs? No, I love eggs. You already know what it is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not very happy about the lack of availability. I think one thing, the egg crisis, and just these constant food crises mm. and crises and shortages have shown is that in terms of, like, as consumers, the way that we have been spoiled with availability mm. and choice and range, you really start to see the gaps when you fall into these crises. And so, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's making me kind of sit back and think, hmm, what do I need and how much do I need? I do need those golden yolk eggs, I'll be honest. I need um, you a little paprika chicken then. And I'm, and I mean, I'm here to support the farmers, do you know what I mean? As long as I could get the stock, anything more than four pounds might be pushing it. (laughs) But, (laughs) I think we might be pushing it, but, you know, I hope that able to resolve this ASAP especially some of the situations like just the cost etc and and how they're working with these supermarkets etc yeah well I don't think I have anything more to share about eggs no I I miss you and I miss I miss you I really do miss you did you miss me when I wasn't around by the way thanks guys (laughs) (laughs) when I asked you 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 said no so did you miss me no I didn't because you didn't miss me when I wasn't around Well, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.